Welcome to the Cardboard Crashcast, episode 11. We're going to be talking about cognitive load. I think we're going to be talking about uh, Spirit Island as a kickoff here. So we just got done with a game of five players. I know Christos and Adam, and then Will and Shaw were here too. They were playing for the first time. The three of us have played together. Episode 10 was about Spirit Island, and I think this was a little bit more than a three-player game in terms of how much yeah. each of our were t us were taking on. Yeah, there was a lot to the game just because um, adding two more pieces of the board, uh, there's just a lot more to deal with. Uh, also, our spirit selections played a huge role in uh, how we dealt with that stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, I guess, I mean... You want to talk about spirit selections in a minute? Because I, yeah. I want to hear Adam's point of view. I was listening back to the last podcast about you talking about how the spirit boards fit together really well. Mm-hmm. This was a much different layout. Yeah, I was actually thinking that as you were speaking. Yeah, I, was thinking I want to hear your opinion. The on layout it. of the board was so much different, and I feel like it completely changed the way I played. Um, I know there's plenty of other aspects to it. You know, what everyone played, there's two more people. They're, we're playing a different um, adversary. adversary. So it's like there were a lot of different factors, and, they, you know, I'm playing a different spirit as well. But uh, I really like stayed in my own board. I felt I just could not even remotely think about reaching out. Um, Christos played a spirit that kind of wanted to do that because he was taking advantage of their um, coasts. But I mean, outside of that, really people weren't going outside as much. I felt like in the three player game, you had the opportunity to go outside. So maybe that added to some of my analysis paralysis where I was like, okay, now I'm like, I need to focus because if, if, you're having an issue, Ethan. I need to help you. I can help you. But halfway across the board on this, like, big board, I couldn't do anything. Or I'm like, I need to focus on mine. Like, there's just so much more going on and so mm -hmm. many more places of attack that, like, I just I couldn't put my resources there because I couldn't spread myself then. Maybe helping one person. Do you think that it was real? Or do you think that the fact that there was so much more going on at once just, like, gave you a placebo effect of, like, there's just too much happening. I can't handle it. I'm going to stick to my own thing. Or do you think that it was just, it's your second game. You understand a little more how the game works. It's, it's hard to say. I want, I want to say I definitely wasn't getting stuck trying to really figure out what I can and can't do. I still needed some clarification here, there. I think it probably did fall in line with, there's just so much I could think about there. I am like hard capping my brain and saying, no, don't even consider it. And there were still moments where I was taking a while to think, you're like, who cares? Because we were playing on level one, we were just like making it much easier for everyone else. And at the end, you're like, yeah, there was no way we were going to lose. Wasn't going to happen, but you just wanted it to be easy to get everyone to ease into it. So I can reflect right now and say, well, that was a waste of time for me to think too much about this. But I was still learning and I think it got better. And I just think at a higher level, that was like three, four, or we were doing a different adversary. I'd probably be freaking out because there'd just be way too much to deal with with everyone. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'd almost need to do that with a smaller group and then get bigger. But I mean, I'm not. Or I'd go back to the the, the spirit I played first. Yeah, and then comfort. I would. Yeah, well, I comfort. Yeah. you know, in the in in episode ten, in the last episode, I did say three is my favorite. Three is the sweet spot. I mean, mm -hmm. I still I still stick to that because of just the way the board's set up. You're so much more intimate with everybody else. It, it reminds me, yeah. we, keep, we keep talking about it, and I, I keep thinking about um, when we played TI with that big group where we were like eight people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the same scenario kind of is like a parallel. Uh, I, I was in a corner, and I never interacted with Oh, you. the board's just too big at that yeah. point. And you're just like, there's too much going on. 
I can't bother to handle any of it, especially when you're learning. And, and something that you said that you're like, is it the cognitive load or is it me trying to learn? And it's like, I think it's a little of both, but also in the same token, it's also like, there's so many other people here. So I don't even want to worry about what they're doing or their sides of the board or where they're going or what, what, whatever. I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to do things efficiently. Uh, and especially with more people in the game, I feel like it just, uh, it adds another level of like complexity and, um, I guess like confusion almost like when you're planning out your turns, especially if you're like, if you're in the shoes of somebody who's learning a new spirit, or if you've only played this game with like two people or three, or a three person group, like I, that was my first five person game. Was it yours? It was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't know, played more than three. I don't know if I'd go back to doing five. Uh, I think I, I told you I never want I, I rarely want to play this game more than four. And four is do, like pushing it. If we do, I'd rather. It's gotta be with experienced people. Not only that, I'd, I'd, I'd be honest, I'd wanna do it with all six, and I'd wanna flip the boards and play it like the, the traditional way, or however you wanna say it. Whatever. It's the more advanced canon way. And, and not it. only that, I'd probably wanna do it like a, like a four at minimum, just to like, if we lose, we lose, like, you know, just let it happen. Yeah. I, I would say now, I, so I played uh, Ocean's Hungry Grasp. Uh, which, yeah, tell us a little bit about your spirits that, you, that each of you play. Which is interesting because I think I was the only one that was able to affect everyone's board uh, because of the way that this character works. Because I'm able to, I only uh, work with coasts and I'm only able to put presence in the oceans. So I was immediately like turn two or turn three of uh, growth. I was I was on everyone's coast. I was there. So like I was I was there to help everybody push anything into me. I will devour it, drown it, whatever. And it was a. Uh, Kind of interesting because I was the only person I felt like that was affecting everybody's board. But simultaneously, I had no control over anything that was going on. Uh, so I was like a, a huge utility piece in the game, but also kind of useless uh, in the same aspect. And obviously, I think I made some uh, just errors because I was learning the, the how to play the spirit and what have you. But I thought it was a very um, good learning experience about the whole game entirely because I... I got to play in a way that I haven't played before where I was isolated to playing one way and my, my spirit was restricting me in such a way where I had to really kind of circumnavigate its restriction to, in order to be useful. And luckily we we're playing on uh, level one or whatever difficulty, <laughs> so that really helped as well. But Adam played uh, a growth of the, rampant green? A or? spread of rampant green. So I was looking at them for my first playthrough, but I decided on the eyes. Uh, they were... a you know, lower than low complexity. These guys are moderate. They don't seem too crazy. Um, and I'll just be straight up. I kind of misread how they worked at the beginning, or at least my understanding of the mechanics of ravaging or building was mistaken because what they can do is they can have their sacred ground. You can take one of your presents off the sacred ground and destroy it to skip that step. Now I was thinking, Oh, prevent that. And then my guys still fight back, but that's not the case. So I like spent the first two turns doing that, um, thinking I was gonna like destroy all this stuff on one of the wetlands. The next thing you know, oh no, and I'm like, oh okay. So they're like stalling, and it was weird because I think I even said it in the last episode. Wanted to tell myself I wouldn't get too accustomed to my spirit specific like abilities, and I was already feeling at this game where it's like I wanted to be super defensive. I almost feel like my thoughts on the game fall in line with like, okay, you need to be defensive because you can't let the Dahan die. Like, I didn't want them to die at all, ever. I don't know if that's how you guys always feel, but now, 
playing defensively with my first game. I'm like, I don't want to sacrifice them. I don't want to lose them. Like, I just personally like to play more defensively. And these guys were definitely defensive, but they did it in a different way. They weren't trading. They were trading their presence um, and then just moving around. And, like, I had control over my board, but I feel like I couldn't go too thin, right? I needed to stay in my area. And your board was getting kind of, like, overwhelmed oh, because yeah. you were focused on everyone uh, else. I yeah, the, the only board <laughs> that was completely out of control and I had to expand into was Christos's because yeah. he, he couldn't figure out how to control his own board. Oh, listen, so there was an event that made me get rid of my presence on my board, and that really made me lose complete control of my board. I And at the same time, my presence on the other and everyone else's board was helping them maintain control of their boards because, uh, you know, we had Will, who was playing the river, mm-hmm. uh, and he was just pushing everything. Yeah, into the he, you guys were working together. So right? nice. So nice. And then uh, Shah had some cards that was allowing him to push stuff into the ocean. Yeah, he was working with a lot of, like, the uh, the actual, like, explorers and, like, yeah. picking them off and pushing and gathering them, mm-hmm. um, which was, like, kind of helpful for me. And then it was helpful for you as well. Like, their side of the board was good because they were on the side of the board that was just two. And then it was... Uh, me, then Ethan, and Christos for the side of three. Yeah, and the and Ethan had his board pretty under control, and you were playing the most controlling spirit, I think, in the game that I've experienced, at least in my opinion, where you're just, like, nullifying everything. So, yeah, mine was completely out of control because I made the mistake of uh, removing my presence. The from- only reason that mine was under control was because I was playing Vengeance as a Burning Plague, and I've played that one before. So I knew it doesn't matter how much of my presence gets destroyed, that's his whole thing. It's like, I'm running on fumes the entire game, right? I'm, I'm just, so I'm placing disease all over the board, preventing builds. I'm like, I'm gonna forget about my board because it's disease to shit. And I'm gonna go figure out what's happening over there. So I grab two major powers. I grab the one that allows me to gain a ton of energy and destroy a land. And then another major power that every time something gets destroyed, it destroys things in adjacent lands. So I just walked over and nuked it and then walked back over to mine. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I got it. Don't worry about it. Now, the only reason I could do that was your gift of proliferation, which is just completely busted. I mean, like looking at it, I thought I could give it to myself. I wasn't realizing I had to give it to one of you guys. Yeah, all and the gifts in the game are, it's like a theme that all the, everything that starts with gift is another spirit. Okay. Um, and then everything that's, that starts with exaltation is you do it to somebody else, but then also you get a bonus. It's so good thinking about it now and actually having that hindsight of, oh, I just give you a presence. You just can, you could, you could do something that doesn't give you presence for the turn and then still get presence. So it's like, that is just so good. And if yeah, you're like yeah. going hard in presence and just trying to take all of your, presence off of your board yeah that's insane yeah. i can see to, the to, i can see the synergy to some spirits it's absolutely busted also really quick in a solo game whenever a card says another spirit you can target yourself oh my they're in solo them must be insane they just lock everything down yeah because they have the other card that they can place a presence it's insane yeah you're, I, the whole you, board's green and you clear matters. you clear your presence tracks in like the first like two or three so rounds. can you pretty much solo i know this is a little off topic. can you pretty much solo like a lot of stuff with them in particular you can solo a level six you can solo two level six adversaries pretty easily if you know which if you know exactly what you're doing it can min max i guess you just really need to focus on getting the blue and you know mind you this is like when you know the game in and out yeah like you and know, you're preparing and yeah, you can count the deck like and you you've studied like like the level of like intricacies that like we understand about magic even probably like that high level level because there's repeats in the event deck so there's different like 
chances for, for different it. like You're parts like, of yeah. the events to happen. Well, that's why I was asking you when we were like near the end of our game about the um, you know ravage and ex- ex- explore and everything. Is that that's the same deck for every game you play? Yeah, because you, you and then I could have realized oh like, there's four ones. Five twos and six threes. You leave one out of each one for each game. Okay, because then you can actually literally almost the expect same every game. If you know, if you start off with you know uh, jungle or whatever, uh, you, wetland. Yeah, yeah then you know you know that the jungle's yeah. not coming back yeah. for until like tier two. Exactly. So yeah. you can prepare for it. So yeah. that's intentional, obviously, mm-hmm. that you have some yeah. level of looking into the future. I was thinking yeah, about it with this. You're game rolling as well. up to the end of like tier two. You're like. Well, the next one has to be either jungle or wetland, but it can't be sands. I think I think this kind of goes back to the initial question of I think I finally got to the point where I understood this like base level and then I moved into the next level. And there's going to be more and more for me to move into until yep. I could actually feel comfortable because when you still speak about like the very high complexity guy, the the dude who chain travels or whatever, I'm still like that just seems like a complete like migraine. Yeah, I over. I mean, just looking at his, his he's uh, not the sheet. only very high complexity, and there's others that aren't so like like in your Daunting. face about the yeah. high complex, but it they are very similar. The finder of paths unseen is considered the most complex spirit in the game. The hummingbird. Mm. Yeah, because you're able to do whatever you want. Or you, no, that's you can star. place you can place a presence and you can ignore range while placing presence. So you just place it anywhere, oh. and then all all of your lands are adjacent to each other for all spirits. So you just oh, that's really good. You just you're a, you're everywhere. Yeah, you you're everywhere, and you're just like yeah, you can see this, and you can see this, and you can, can you know it's like you're the you're the Six utility player guy. game. Play yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. What were you gonna uh, say? I'm sorry, I was just gonna say I think. A lot of the complexity comes from just how you want to have fun, right? I could see myself getting super overwhelmed with the amount of options if you're playing one of the ones where you, like, what's the guy that does the time travel again? Uh, Shattered Days Split the Sky. Yeah, so you're explaining, like, how they have these time counters, essentially, and, like, all these different cards that, like, they have in a separate pool of things. Like, you have all these options, and you can do, like, anything, and you have so much, like, control. Like, if that sounds fun to you then you'll probably have fun doing it. But for me, that just sounds like a lot of work. And like, I feel I would have just as much fun or in my opinion, I'm also thinking like it would be just as effective and you can do the same thing. Just playing like a simple faction, just like hunkers down. Like yeah. why, why spend all that time really reaching, make the perfect moves to get like the best cards to do pretty much the same thing. And that's how I at least operate. I 100% do not disagree with that. Okay. I, I completely agree. I think there is absolutely nothing wrong. If you literally never stepped out of playing low complexity spirits and you had fun, literally more power to you. Yeah. Like, love it. I mean, you, the I fact think... that the, the low complexity spirits are balanced to be like in the same realm, those kinds of like crazy high complexity spirits, the fact that it's an RNG ish game and then they have so many options, the flexibility makes them kind of a little bit better in some situations, but you have to work. Like, you have to really yeah. work. For them to be better and if you just like play both like play them or play the low complexity like eyes watching from the trees or whatever both of them are going to end up being about the same like it's it's marginally different it's like i, I parallel a lot in my mind to playing like even like in, in video games where you, you just do something that like, you handicap yourself purposely just because you want the challenge mm-hmm. like thinking about like doing like a dungeon solo or doing like doing doing like a speed run you're doing you, like you are actively knowing that you're doing something that is harder because you want the thrill of being able to do it in that way. And, you know, I feel like Spirit Island as a game 
Yeah, talk about that a little bit, because that's kind of where I wanted to go into, like, the cognitive load, be jumping off of this game. Because we can kind of control the cognitive load in terms of, like, the level of adversary and our spirit and everything, especially with more expansions coming out, how much replayability does this, does this have? And is there a point for you that the cognitive load can get too much for it to be not fun anymore? Have, have you seen it? Do you think you could see it? Perhaps my perspective is a little skewed because I feel like when I approach the game, I don't approach it in like, a, oh, what can I learn this time? I always approach it with my spirit in mind. And I'm like, what is the thing I want to do? Like, what, what do I want to accomplish here? And I set like little goals for myself. I did the same thing in TI, right? Or in, in any game, really. And I feel I, maybe this isn't just about Spirit Island. This is just in general. I feel like what you want to do is you need to set yourself objectives to what you want to accomplish while you're playing this game. Once you understand the basis of the game. And I want to go back to what you said um, earlier, Adam, about like protecting the Dahan. Sacrifices must be made. That's just the bottom line. We got to kill them sometimes. That's just how it goes. One hundred percent agreed. They're a means to an end. They they got to go. Like, I mean, sometimes, I, I, sometimes I will go out of my way to save them because it benefits me. <laughs> but and, but otherwise, sacrifices must be made. They can get fucked too. That's how it goes. <laughs> but in, in in general, though, like I said, I think. When you're playing any game, no matter if it's a board game, video game, whatever, like you, you need to find a way to, to lower the complexity of the game in order to just make little tiny objectives for yourself. Strive to do the little things. Because as you continue to do so, those little things become less daunting. And then suddenly now you're a master at playing the spirit. That's just how you learn. And I think that it, it, everything becomes much less uh, cognitive overload or less daunting when uh, when when you make those little objectives. Take the, take the, uh, the stepping stones toward becoming a better player in general by kind of muting the noise of like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed by all this stuff. You know, Ethan's barking at me about this, about like how like I need to play this certain way and like Will really needs me to help him over here and whatever. It's just like nothing matters. Just focus on what you can do and add and be like, okay, this is what I can do. Does that help anybody? And, mm -hmm. and then move forward from there. And that's kind of how I think a lot of people play today. Maybe Christos is right. Maybe stepping stepping stones is great because adding a tiny little challenges for yourself every game. I felt like the reason why I kind of like, okay, we're going to do this at like difficulty one and everything mm -hmm. was because the fact that it was five players was already enough of a step. Sure. That I was like, okay, let's not make it harder for ourselves. Otherwise, do you think that you could make bigger jumps that we made though? Um, I think we probably maybe could have done like level two, but I, I like I totally understand that thought process and because in level two we start using that high immigration tile that they build after they ravage. I don't even know what that is. So <laughs> it's that tile that I showed you where it goes and they go explore, build, ravage, build, build and then get this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they even do more. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, I'm, I'm I felt I felt like that would have taken so much. Like, that would have made it feel yeah, like no, such that, a different experience. It, I mean, that adds to the replayability. So, mm -hmm. like, you can kind of master, and I think this just goes in general for learning anything, but in this case, obviously, games, where you just need to, like, not tense up. I mean, I think of, like, when we went, because it was one of my first times going to, you know, on roller coasters and going to Six Flags, where it's like, I would get, like, nervous or anxious on, like, a ride, and it's like, just loosen up, you know, don't tense up, because then you make it worse for yourself. So... In the case of this game, for example, if I'm so focused on like saving every Dahan and, and, and not wanting to let them die, not realizing that they're just a resource, it's okay if they die. The game's still gonna like go on. Um, I just kind of have that mindset where I always want to make sure like everything's perfect and nothing's going wrong. Um, I mean, that even falls into like just personal life and like work, you know, because I yeah. do like accounting stuff. So I'm always like focused on numbers and making sure that 
nothing ever is like missing, etc. So maybe I like am just so overwhelmed with that all the time that that's why I don't even want to like cons- when I play games like this, I don't want to do that. But I understand to get better at a game, um, you kind of need to like let some of those things go. And I think that's just important in general. So I think if you take too big of a jump, absolutely, it's gonna it's gonna feel like I don't want to play this or frustrating. But I think there's so much variety in this game that you have the opportunity to very easily set new like goals for yourself each time you play and say I'm gonna like do this and get more comfortable with that. I'm just gonna focus on this this game. And you can just do it on like low low level if you want to play by yourself. That's the cool thing too. You could play by yourself if you wanted to to learn how to play each one at a level one and then do a two and then a three or whatever. That's the thing. Do you guys think that I'm just a savant right out of the box? Like I just open the box and I go, oh, I understand oh, no, this. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like Ethan sitting in his room at like three in the morning, like <laughs> playing a solo game until he's like, oh, I got it, I figured it out. What I do is I, is I will pick a spirit and I'll pick a, a complexity level on an adversary of maybe already played. And I'll play a game of that spirit. Now my games last like, uh, 20 to 30 minutes because like I'm playing by myself I literally like can just control the the invaders steps and yeah. every, I don't have to read anything out loud you have I to just wait for anybody you just go it's like reading a book right versus like reading like to little kids like a children's book oh, yeah. like, one page sure. at a time yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll do that and I'll be like okay I feel like I kind of understood vengeance as burning plague okay I'm gonna do it again on the same board with the same adversary on the same level and I'm going to do this thing different towards the beginning and I'm going to see how much that changes. Mm. And then I see, oh, that was worth changing and then I increase the difficulty by one. And then I try to do the same thing. Oh, it didn't work that time. Okay, I'm going to try it. So I play three times in a row, three or four times, you know, or I'll sit up until one in the morning just like playing like four times in a row the same thing. And I'm like, tiny little improvements every single time, right? I wanted I wanted to kind of like connect these two things that you guys talked about. So Adam talked about how like being a perfectionist and like having everything like in its place and like not wanting to like like min maxing everything to the point of like you're just overloaded, right? Uh, and I and I think we had a conversation on the phone, Ethan, not too long ago, where I was like, I think we should just play every adversary on one, like everyone on one, then everyone on two, then everyone on three, and so on, because it adds so much to the game's uh, replayability. It adds so much to the game's variance and plus like we switch it up every every time we we switch we swap spirits we know like if i think that if that game for example if everybody just rotated spirits clockwise that game would look so much different just because everyone's decision making is different and like sometimes like you know min maxing isn't a bad thing uh, i guess is that's the parallel i'm trying to make it's all about like you just play with the hang your dell and if, if you really like the min max that's fine just understand that like you don't have to be you don't have to be as scared of making mistakes I think that's one thing that in kind of overload uh, or an analysis paralysis, whatever you want to say, is just like people will get into this mode where they don't want to make a choice because they, they don't want to make the wrong choice. When in reality, it's like, man, you'll have another turn. And if you, <laughs> and if you don't, we, we have another game. It's not it's not like the world ends here. Like just because the Dahan die does not mean we die. It's uh, We're good, you know? Yeah. So that's that's my major point. When I'm when I'm teaching games, especially when it gets to like an analysis paralysis moment, I'm like the only bad decision you could make at this point is to take longer to make a decision because that means we don't get to play another game after this. It's like you, people that like I would like hold the magic tables hostage. I would rather you make yeah. a decision and it end up costing a little bit more than you expected then take 10 times longer to make that decision. Now, everybody's different. I'm not that much of a Nazi about it. 
I understand that some people may take longer than others and some people like really want certain things out of it. But I think it does get to a certain point where you have to realize mistakes are just okay. It's, it's easy to say like and I understand it. But for some reason, like when I'm in the moment, I'm like is different or something pops up and I'm like I want to make sure that I do this right like I had I a moment know. it's, it's I had a it's moment so in weird. That game. it's so weird I, I don't know how to bro, bro, it. I just want to say in both my the last two games I played as the volcano guy and as uh, ocean's hungry grasp I made huge mistakes like mistakes that didn't help me I was at just all. about to say I I, yeah. I had a moment in that game where I was like I left a power card in my hand that I could have played, and that would have gotten me an innate, and that probably would have won the game right now. Yeah, I, was I, like, I, well, I, I did the same thing. I didn't do it. I did the same thing. I missed my innate power trigger like three times. That would have like accelerated us or whatever. And it happens, man. Like no one's. I, and to be honest, if you ever made a mistake that game, I would have never noticed because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying there's a ton of people like me out there. What I'm saying is like everyone is doing exactly what you're doing at the table. Where they're all just trying to figure out this puzzle in front of them and, and like how it helps us get to our victory in a co-op game. Now, I, I kind of want to make this, uh, I don't want to pose this question. Complexity and like cognitive overload, all that stuff, analysis, paralysis, etc. In a co-op game versus a competitive uh, player versus player game. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference? Yeah, I think so. Because my major point... You just said our victory. It's the difference between if you're competitive or not, right? It affects people differently whether they want to win or not in different situations. In a PvP game, being scared to lose is because you don't want to lose to these people, right? In a competitive game, you don't want to disappoint other people. So it's like... You mean a a co-op game? I'm sorry. In a a co-op game, you don't want to disappoint other people. So if I'm playing like a game of Magic... I literally could not care less if I lose. Nobody is going to be upset because it actually increases the amount uh, that they're going to win. So if they see me just not caring, they're not going to be that upset about that. But in a game like this, I truly, truly care that I'm doing things correctly because my my victory is your victory. And I don't want to disappoint you. And not only that, but I feel like, you know, this is getting into a different vein, but I, I when you're playing a cooperative game and somebody's completely checked out, it, it kills the mood uh, of the whole table. Oh, absolutely. Uh, whereas, like in a competitive game, you could care less about the mood of everybody else. You're like, if you're on on cloud nine and everybody else isn't, you don't care at all. Because that's how competitive games are. And I feel like you could say there's differences, and I'm sure in TI, like I think Ethan would have a good time playing TI no matter what because he's just like obsessed with the game, right? But like a, a, a person that's like brand new to ti and getting into it and like really is like a super competitive person and is just making mistakes left and right they're probably gonna hate the game if they're getting slapped around you know uh and that's not the game's fault and maybe not even the cognitive overload's fault it's just like sometimes i think that there's a there's a line there where when you cross it in terms of uh competitive versus co-op uh where the cognitive overload is no longer the the like the you know the the thing that's like the elephant in the room it's really just like kind of identifying the type of player you are and like how it like is this the game for me i guess i, I, I i'm not sure if that's, i kind of know what you're talking yeah. about i guess adam you could kind of attest to this because you've played plenty of games with me and i've been a firm teacher on a, on a lot of games so with a competitive game if i'm yelling at you to make a decision I use yelling loosely. <laughs> if I'm if I'm saying you need to make a decision at this point, it's real. It's kind of offensive because it's like, okay, well, 
you're thinking to yourself, well, you just want me to speed up because I'll make a wrong decision and then you'll win. In this, in a game like this, in a co cooperative game, if I'm like, okay, you just need to make a decision, it's really like I'm holding your hand and I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm not trying to hurt you. Yeah. We're going to be all right. You know, it's, I mean, that's, I, that's the difference. I definitely, I definitely agree with what you were kind of both, I guess, really honing in on, which is, or at least, again, for me, is the idea that, yeah, if you're doing a co-op game, like you said, you don't want to disappoint anyone. Um, I'm thinking more personally that, you know, I have certain bases covered. So it's I feel like I just have more leeway for mistakes because I can be more focused on something. Um, when I'm doing a game against people, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one or, a, you know, like Commander Magic, which is sure. a 1v3, um, and everyone's for themselves, all the pressure's on me. Now I have to do everything. So that's where I feel like the cognitive overload comes from is when you're responsible for everything. This game obviously has the benefit of not needing to excel in every single thing. But if you're playing like competitive magic or just even a casual deck, it's like your deck needs to be able to do everything or deal with enchantments, artifacts, creatures, um, counter spells, ramp. It's like you need to have it all. And like that's fun to try and work towards it, but it can be stressful and then causes a lot more overthinking when it comes to turns at, at least f for myself yeah i would agree i think um you know I, we we had talked about something like this uh, about how like a lot of people boil down co-op games into being like just a puzzle that you solve yeah but i would counter argue and say like i feel like game competitive games are just kind of the same thing you just kind of like have a new puzzle every every turn you're trying almost. to solve your own puzzle faster than other people can and in this situation we're all just trying to solve a puzzle together faster than the game can break it apart yeah, and it, I, the other thing I was thinking of is if, you know, we were talking about different moods, and if you're playing a multiplayer game and one person's not feeling it, I think TI would be a great example. There's definitely been times where if someone just kind of lose in, loses interest, it's like, okay, cool, I'm still, like, head-to-head -head with someone. There's, like, usually still someone there, but if a few people lose interest, then it's like, oh, well, like, you know, you feel like you're maybe caring too much or something like that. While you're in a cooperative game, the, the game itself is always going to be competitive. There's never a moment where the game decides to just, like, stop caring. Gives up, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. always going up against, like, something at the at the same level. So it can fluctuate with, with multiplayer. That The vibe is needs to be there. But then again, if you feel like you're, you know, focusing on doing everything for the group in a, a cooperative game, then it kind of, like, lowers it and it's like, oh, you know, not as interesting. I, I just want to, like, segue off that and just... Um, just sing this game's praises again for like taking the stance on quarterbacking that it does uh where like everyone everyone plays a very key role in the victory of every round regardless of how much or how little you do you still are there doing something every turn and you have to do it there isn't like a team captain shouting at everybody like no you do this here now you know there's nothing like that and i and i, I really really respect this game for that reason and i think that just to loop it back into the topic, just the the whole thing like with the overload uh, aspect of just any game, I think this game does a really good job of like handing you a spirit or handing you a situation, a scenario, and you have to circumnavigate it yourself. But you also are is everybody at the table. You know, you are like, okay, guys, I have like this tile is gonna get destroyed this turn when they ravage. Can we work together to to help me here? You know, sometimes it's just like as simple as that. And I I, I can't sing this game's praises enough because again, like there's no some there's no one person saying like, 
okay, we need to make sure we we're, we hit them here, here, and here because th- whatever. There's no none of that. It's like we all have to work as a group because we all are different cogs in this in this machine mm-hmm. that to getting us to the end point uh, for the victory. But if you wanted to be a team captain, there's spirits for that, which is crazy. The finder of the hidden ways or hi- finder of hidden paths is all about just being everywhere and just being everybody's team captain. There's another spirit called um, like the memory of ages, something like that, where it just hands out element markers. So it just helps everybody hit their innate powers. It's like an enabler. Yeah. Like the one that, that uh, increases speed or whatever. Oh, just, I really want to play them. Yeah. I really want to play there them. There are enablers, and, and, yeah. And I think that's another good way of weaving that into your game. Uh, and like uh, just a very good example of like, Okay, well, sometimes you do kind of need like a team captain when you're teaching. Like, I'm sure that would be very advantageous, but you don't want to teach like handhold teach. You want to be like, okay, I'm going to enable you to like, oh, yeah, I I can do the thing. I'm not playing. I would never play a team captain spirit, an enabler spirit like that in in somebody's first playthrough. That's why when you were trying to do lightning swift strike, I was like, hold on, let's let's do that (laughs) with the three of us. Don't do it with the five people because everyone's going to get confused and it's and you're going to sit there and you're going to be like, okay, who wants their powers to be fast this round? And like, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not a it's not a high complexity to do that, but all of a sudden everybody just hits this like analysis that's just, paralysis. That's just wall. how the game works too. Like like let's just say like Will's just like, oh wait, I don't I don't get like elements every round. Right, you know, you know, he's like, going to be just like... It has like a different uh, perception of the game. Right, yeah. if we had the lightning in there from the very beginning, they might think, oh, I just thought like a lot more oh, were all, fast. All powers are fast. Or, yeah, <laughs> like next game, it would be like me, how this game, I was kind of thinking more about how I was playing last game. It, even if it's an honest mistake, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this that. Oh, shoot, that, those, are all, those can't be sped up. Okay. Because like you kind of almost crutched on. It's already a big enough issue that you were playing Ocean's Hungry Grass because next game they're not going to be able to push things into the ocean. This is not going to be a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I I was definitely blessed with the way with the the spirits that they they played because I was already playing this regardless. I I'd made my mind up. Even if they chose it, I'd been like, I want that one though. (laughs) Uh, Do you feel like they grasped the game? Oh, Will did it immediately. I couldn't tell if Shaw did, but I'm sure he... They're both... Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm the dumbest player in the room when we play any game, and I'm a firm believer in that. I think and, they grasp it pretty well. And, and, I, and I think that Will and, and Shaw are, like, by far and away, I think the the fastest at, like, getting a hold of a game and understanding it immediately. I mean, Shaw's just the type of person to... I mean, he brought Dominion tonight and taught us all in, like, five seconds. He's, like, a quieter version of me. He just gets it. Yeah, yeah, he just gets it. Uh, uh, I think that's why when we first met, when we were playing Magic at that shop, the I, I don't know, just like we played one game, and I'm like, this kid's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, w- it was still a good time tonight. I still enjoyed the game. I felt like oh, dude, even on difficulty one, it was still a blast. I, it, you know, whatever you want to say about like oh, we were never gonna lose. I was still like figuring out my my character is it was more fun than anything else. Yeah. I was just having a great time. Yeah, uh, just trying to figure out like. How do I make this thing useful? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I definitely want to play another three-player game. Next. Oh, certainly. Same. Yeah, I, I mean, I have fun trying to optimize. I like optimizing. And not like, I'm not a big min-maxer. I know you've kind of said that a little bit. Not in me, but in particular, we're just talking about the idea of min-maxing. I'm not like the super min-max person, um, but just optimizing things I like to. We I never to want live. to like, oh, well, I can deal three damage, but I'm why waste it? you know only doing two damage here like i'm always trying to think of like how could i do it in the best way possible um because then that to me is like a flow state i get into a flow state and I'm like yes this makes sense this is fun 
Um, but everyone gets their like enjoyment from different things. And I know we could talk about winning and losing and you guys talk about how, you know, Oh, we just can get to another game. It's okay. Um, and like, that's the fun in it. But to everyone, even like winning can be part of like the fun thing because mm-hmm. everyone might not always be coming into the board game or whatever game you're playing the same way. Right. They might be like, well, I just wasted, for example, TI. I just wasted eight hours of oh my, my life. Gosh. Like if you start, yeah. that's a pessimistic way to think about a lot of it. And I'm saying maybe I just held those traits. So, but it's different for everyone. I, I wanted to pose this question just directly at that because I, I was thinking the same thing as you were saying it. I was like, it, it, is, is, a, is playing a game and being a waste of time if you lose? Is it really a waste of time? Because I feel like if your only goal is the win, you, again, like I don't know if this is you know the game for you, if you should be playing games like that. I feel like you need to kind of reevaluate like what is important to you when you're going to a game? And like you said, everybody plays games differently. I'm not saying it's bad to want to win, but you need to find your enjoyment in the game. If the only way you get enjoyment out of like any game, like I know you guys have brought up before that like some people that you've played with play games with you just to make you guys suffer in the games and like that's what they get out of it. They like that. And like there's people that really only uh, their only directive is like i want to win as quickly as possible so they'll build some like two-turn combo deck in magic or whatever i think that when you're when you're approaching any game no matter like how complex it is you need to go in it with like objectives to further your enjoyment if, if you are playing a game like if i'm if i'm playing spirit island and i'm looking up who the s tier spirits are and only playing them in the most optimal way and like reading guides i can totally do that there's no problem with that but am I going to have the same enjoyment? Me personally, no. But somebody else, maybe yes. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I have an idea of what some play testers, people who play the game for a living, consider like the higher tiers in like the very, very like niche scenarios. It doesn't mean that I'm going to do that. Like I talk about that to you guys. You ask these questions. It doesn't mean that I'm going to do like to min-max every single time. My enjoyment of this game and a lot of games, I like challenges. I love sitting down and playing the fractured days with the sky and just like being overwhelmed and like having to figure that out. Like that is where my enjoyment comes from. That's his flow state. That is my flow state. (laughs) Like just, just being on the edge of like freaking out and not knowing what the hell is going on. That's my like perfect he's the guy state. in the, the, the tr- like he's like on the high wire he's like this is just where i want to be <laughs> <laughs> this is where i belong yeah yeah so mr overthinker would you like to give a closing thought on how to decrease your cognitive overload in a game like this i don't know i mean it's easier said than done always but i think just um try again it's just trying not to think too much about it and that's like again it's so easier said than done but well maybe it's um, not even a problem that there's there's moments I, I, of overload yeah, yeah no i think i think it's inevitable and just don't let that overload like make you think like now the rest of the game just like you know had one turn i'm always trying to think turns ahead and just be like okay i feel like it, we, we are so polar it, it, it is so polar <laughs> so it's, it's hard for me to almost say because i feel like anything could just be answered with well don't, just don't do that or like oh no <laughs> like 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 uh ethan just said you know it, it's not a good or bad thing that you overthink i think it's it's a matter of just like, how do you navigate your own scenario? Like, I understand that I make decisions very haphazardly. I don't really care. Just like, you know. I'm exactly in the middle of the two of you. (laughs) Like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to look through these for five seconds. I'm going to seriously consider it. I'm going to grab three that I think is going to work. 
It's a little bit more like specific than you. But if I put them down on the table, it immediately it like disappears from my brain. I'm not gonna go back and think what could I have done. I'm gonna be like, let's learn from how this is gonna work. Just just find the aspects of this game and any other game that you really enjoy and just try to focus on those. And then I think that those fears of other things will just dissipate over time. Not, not to like, you know, sing my own praises, but I think it's definitely like you have to make stepping stones for yourself, no matter what the game is, like make many goals and move yeah. forward and just continue to do that because you can't, if if you're going to be like any, any, all three of us are different, different in the way we play games. And if you're, and no matter if you fall in, in one of our groups or somewhere in between, you just have to make sure that when you're approaching a game, don't fall under the pressure of the cognitive overload. Just take steps one by one into making mini goals and accomplishing those things. Because eventually you'll get to the point where you're in your own flow state within that and you're able to just like go. You pick up a thing and you just do it no matter the game. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think that we're very blessed with the group that we have. The fact that we are getting eight players for Twilight Imperium that want to come back and play. We have five people for Spirit Island that are, <laughs> yeah. that are enjoying themselves. Sure, yeah, like I can sit here and I can say three player might be like the most balanced like state, but I'm not going to complain that we have more friends to to teach. Two and three to, player games at once. Yeah. Oh my, or a six player game. <laughs> yeah. Well, <coughs> ultimately I think you need a good teacher and I think that you need a good group of friends that can be patient with you and your different ways of playing. Uh, I think that's all the time we have for this episode. I'm going to close it up. I'm going to thank the patrons. Thank you so much for listening. We'll probably be talking about Spirit Island again in the future at some point, if not next episode. We'll see what the topic is going to be. If you have a specific topic, go ahead and let us know in the comments. But have a great rest of your day. Yeah, make sure to uh, thumbs up, five star, on uh, whatever platform you're listening to as well. We really appreciate all the feedback. Goodbye.